My God is more than enough. Come on. We serve the God of abundance. The God of more than enough. Somebody give him great praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's magnify him. Let's worship him for a few more moments. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. How am I thankful to be in the house of the Lord here tonight? Amen. Amen. Well, at this time, we're going to uh, we're going to say a prayer, uh, one more prayer that I meant to add to the prayer list. Um, we're going to pray for Brother Corey Johnson. He's not feeling well, and, uh, and we want to pray for him, that God would touch him, and, uh, and, and also uh, some others that I've gotten messages from, and so we need to lift them up in prayer. In Jesus' name, would you lift up your hands in this house, and let's pray. Amen. We are one body, one, one, we may be many members, but we are in one body and in one accord. Jesus, we're praying right now, God, that you touch each and every individual. God, that you would bring healing, that you would bring comfort, and that you'd bring them back to the house of the Lord in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated here tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. For the sake of time here tonight, I want to get right into this, um, but I, as, as is the custom, now please, that is not the best PowerPoint I can do. That was a PowerPoint that I could do within five minutes before service because not one printer is working. Amen. Not the copier, not the printer, nothing. So here's the printout you all will receive on, uh, on, uh, on Sunday. And uh, we'll make sure that we get enough of those copies for you. Uh, but I had to make a quick audible. And uh, there's IQ. That's intelligent quotient. I don't have much of that. Um, there is uh, EQ, which is emotional quotient. Some of us struggle with that as well. Uh, but one thing I might have down, and that's, a that's AQ, the adaptability quotient. So uh, I'm going to do my best to, this is going to be real hard to see. Um, so please forgive me, but I do have this. Uh, Brother Lavin will be passing out some, um, some index cards from the back and also some pens. Um, preferably, I would have these for you where you'd be able to uh, print them out. But man, uh, every, every print store in the area decided to close early today as well. So, hallelujah, praise God. How many is excited to be here tonight? Amen. I think it's interesting because we are talking about finances this month. And uh, I, have, I have had a challenge the entire day today. Every time I added something, it got deleted. So I had to redo this about five or six times. So uh, it lets me know something. One, technology is not always reliable. Um, number two, it lets me know that this is very important. And, uh, and it's something that we need to discuss and we need to talk about and uh, as I get started here today, Brother Lavin, if you could just hand out some index cards and some pens. We have sanitized all of these pens, uh, and we will do so after every, uh, after every use, and so you can be comfortable knowing that. But tonight, we're going to talk about Finances 102. We're going to be talking about credit and debt. And so uh, that leads us into this, uh, and, and you will probably not be able to see everything up here. Uh, but again, I will be getting these copies soon. If you want it a little quicker, you can see me, and I will get it emailed to you or airdropped to you uh, before the end of our fellowship here tonight. Uh, but 
uh, as with most financial topics, credit and debt have been a much overlooked and misunderstood subject. What is credit? Why does credit matter? What is a good credit score? How do I build credit? How do I fix or rebuild my credit? These are all valid questions that can help lead to a successful financial future. This is by no means an extensive study, but this is a cursory glance to kickstart some of our journeys. As we said last week, everybody is at a different level. Uh, whether you are in retirement or you don't yet have a job, everybody is on a different level financially. However, there are some things that are practicals that every one of us can use. And somebody said, Amen. Let's talk about credit for a little while. What is credit? To, to put it simply, credit is the ability of a customer to receive goods or services before payment is received. Credit is based on the trust that the customer, uh, in the trust in the customer, that the payment will be made will be made according to the agreement, and how you live up to your agreements determines your credit score. Hopefully, I'm going to answer a lot of questions, and I've got a lot of great questions from that box in the back over the last few weeks. Um, and at the very end of this, I've got a whole list of them that we're going we're gonna to machine gun through. Um, but at also, if you have any questions through this, you can write your question down on the index card and you can pass it to me and we will uh, either talk about it individually or we will talk about it as a group. Okay, well, here's a question for us. Does credit matter? Well, it depends. Do you plan to purchase everything in life with cash do you plan to save several hundred thousand dollars to purchase a home so that you can pay for it cash how about tens of thousands of dollars to purchase a car if you answered no to any of these then credit should matter to you amen now if you've got enough money to purchase a house cash please see me after service and lay hands on me and bless me in jesus name Amen. But we're going to talk about five factors that influence your credit score. Has anybody ever wondered what goes into your credit score? Anybody? Just me? Okay, I'm the only one that's ever wondered what went into my credit score. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. All right. Does, it, does everybody in this room, don't tell it us what it is, does everybody in this room know what their credit score is? Raise your hand. Everybody? Okay. Man, we got some great people. They probably got prepared for this. All right. You can't, you can't help and you can't, uh, you can't manage what you don't know, what you haven't, what you haven't sat down and calculated out. Uh, now, there's people here today that uh, may be thinking, I know what my credit score is, and they're not happy about it. Amen. You might be the person I'm talking to today. I want to help you get that back to where it needs to be. Hallelujah. All right, 35%. You can't see this beautiful pie chart I worked so hard on, uh, but it does let you know when you have the printout. Uh, 35% of your credit score is going to be consisting of payment history. Everybody say that, payment history. Amen. Consistently paying creditors on time is the most important factor in determining your credit score. Even one missed payment can 
hurts you, and it can have a huge effect, effect and impact on your credit score. Amen. Your credit score considers the number of late payments. It considers the number of missed payments over the last seven years. And it considers the amounts owed or delinquent and late payments, collections, negative public record information. Did you know that all of those things go into your credit score? Number two, amounts owed. This is 30% of your credit score. This is more commonly referred to as revolving credit utilization. Revolving credit is, is a little different. There's really two types of loans, two types of credit. There is revolving and there is installment. An installment loan, if I could give you an example, would be like your car. Your car has a five-year loan that's 60 payments, that's 60 months. And as soon as those 60 months are done and you've made those payments, guess what? You own the car. Then there's something known as revolving. That is like your credit card, line of credit, home equity line of credit, where you can owe $100 today, pay it off, take a loan out of it again, and owe $250. And it's this constant back and forth. Well, what is part of your credit, 30% of it, is the revolving credit utilization. This is the sermon by, determined by your total balance owed on your revolving accounts. accounts your credit cards, your line of credit, amen, compared to your total credit line. Uh, one of the goals, and this is, this is one that you'll find a standard across uh, the banks, is they like to see, and, and, and TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, they like to see your revolving accounts sitting at less than 30%. What does that mean? Let me break it down for somebody. If you have $10,000 worth of credit line, does that make sense? Okay. Whether it be one credit card or you have 10 credit cards that all have a limit of $1,000. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's one card or if it is all your cards. It takes a, uh, an entire amount. You have 10000 How much did you spend? What's 30%? 3000 That doesn't mean that's what you should spend. That's the most you should spend. Just because you have a $10,000 limit does not mean you should owe $9,999.99. This is not an infomercial. Somebody said amen. If you do that, your credit's going to tank. Hallelujah. When you have a credit limit, don't let that thing, oh, man, I can go out and I can go on a spending spree. That's another subject we could talk about for another time, overspending. Uh, but, but when it comes to trying to maintain, or here's a good one for somebody to ask the question, how do I rebuild my credit? Well, first things first, you've got to pay down those revolving cards. If you have one that's maxed out, two that's maxed out, three that's maxed out, uh, and you have a limited capacity, for example, you have $10,000 across all your cards and you owe 8000 you are at 80%. Somebody said Amen. We weren't ready for math in church tonight, but that's all right. We're going to get through it in Jesus' name. So in order to fix your credit or to maintain your credit, just because you have the limit doesn't mean you can spend it. The best way to look at it is if you have $10,000 worth of credit cards, whether it's on one or on all of them, I only have $3,000. Amen. And, uh, and then the other side of this is the financial responsibility. The financial responsibility is to understand that those lines of credit are for emergencies. If you choose, again, 
if you choose to utilize credit. Now, there's people in this room that maybe have, uh, have, have made the decision they, won't, they can't handle credit cards, they will not use credit cards. I think that's a great decision. Uh, if you can do that, go for it. That's awesome. Uh, but there's others that have decided, well, I'm going to get into something a little different. I'm going to use the equity of my home to make improvements. So they decide to get a home equity line of credit. What that is is you take the amount uh, of what your home is worth compared to what you owe. There's a little difference there, uh, or at least there should be. You, your home should be worth more than what you paid for it. This isn't the housing bubble of 2008. Um, so you should have some equity. And some people have decided, I'm going to utilize that equity to get a line of credit. And that line of credit is going to be, be able to make improvements. Uh, not that they did it, but I know that recently, uh, uh, Elder Worley, they built, you might have done a cash, I don't know, that's, I'm not getting into your financial business, but I know that they built a, a, a garage. Amen. Uh, well, not everybody can just purchase a garage. So what they do is they utilize the equity against their home to get this line of credit. And as they make improvements, they pull off that line of credit and they build this, they build that. Because at the end of it all, your home value should increase. Amen. I'm not saying whether this is a good idea or not. That's between you and Jesus. But uh, that line of credit also goes into this 30%. Somebody said amen. All right, 15%. Length of credit history is about 15%. The longer your credit history, the better. The age of your accounts determine uh, your length of credit history. Your score will consider the age of your oldest credit account, the age of your newest account, and the average of all of your accounts. Uh, so for those that are just getting started, I want to give you a little piece of advice. Do not go out and get a ton of credit cards. Amen. That, that is not, oh, I'm going to build my credit. You might end up wrecking your credit. But at the same time, there's some of us that have had credit for a long time. Uh, unless it's charging you an annual fee that you want to get rid of, or you have established credit and you know you're securing it, you probably don't want to get rid of. You can cut it up and never use that card, but you may not want to get rid of it because that might be your oldest established line of credit. Does that make sense? Okay, uh, next, number four, the, the new credit is 10%. Lenders like banks and credit card companies do hard inquiries when you apply for credit lines or loans. Uh, these, di these deep dives into your credit history are good indicators of credit-seeking activity. Ideally, you want to do zero of these. <laughs> That's the ideal. You don't want to be acquiring new credit every single year. You don't want to have any hard pulls on your credit every single year. However, uh, really the ideal is zero to one. So maybe you're looking at getting a car this year. Okay, they're going to do a hard pull. Now this, to help somebody out, uh, too many hard inquiries can lead lenders to think that you are desperate for credit and then you start getting seen as a risk. Well, who wants to get approved? Everybody wants to get approved. Nobody wants to get declined. You don't want to go out and start making applications everywhere. Uh, the exception to this is when you are in a home loan process. Typically, you get one hard pull, and it pulls in that month. Amen. It pulls one time, and it does it for all these different lenders. Well, obviously, the lenders are going to know you're looking for a home. It's a little different than if you go to Macy's 
and ask for a credit card. And then you go to, I don't even know if they're in business anymore, JCPenney, and you get a credit card. And uh, you go down all these different places. It's going to look like you're a, you're a bankruptcy risk. You're like you're just trying to rack up a bunch of money, buy a bunch of stuff, and then fly out. So you want to be careful of that because that can affect your credit negatively. It can also affect approvals. And somebody said, amen. There is something known as a soft hit. Uh, this is often when you get, uh, did you know that your credit can affect your car insurance? They do a soft hit on your car insurance. And, uh, and, and this doesn't affect your credit negatively. They just want to find out, are you somebody that's uh, of good reputation? And, uh, and, and somebody that's of a better reputation, they've done their statistics. And they found out that you're going to probably be a better driver. I don't know if that actually works out. Uh, there's people with great credit that are probably terrible drivers and vice versa. However, uh, that can actually save you money. So having good credit can help save you money. Uh, not switching to Geico. Amen. Uh, credit mix is 10%. Creditors want to know that you can responsibly manage a mix of different types of credit. Your total number of accounts may include both open and closed accounts. And this is what I just mentioned earlier, the revolving accounts, line of credit, home equity line of credit, uh, your credit cards, and then the other, the other percentage is going to end up being uh, stuff that are installment loans. And there really is a couple other categories such as student loans um, because those can be put into something called deferment. Deferment is, okay, you got the loans, you got the education, we're going to give you a break for X amount of years, and then you have to pay it back. So uh, they want to see, are you, are you somebody that only has 10 million credit cards? You don't have a car loan, but you have 10 million credit cards. Well, that's going to affect you negatively. It also can affect you negatively if you only have installment. Now, again, that doesn't really matter if you live based on cash. Hallelujah. All right, next, we're going to move on. Uh, at, let's talk about the credit, the credit score. Um, some people want to know what gives me or what makes it whether I have a good score. Okay, I know what my score is, but how do I know whether or not it's good? Um, well, anything below 580 is going to be almost a 900% decline. <laughs> You're going you're gonna to have to go to those little mom-and-pop shops where they loan you in-house, and it's like a shark lender, okay? Uh, that, that right there is uh, you're, you're going to have a very, very hard time. Um, the other problem that you're going to face is if you do get approved, you're going to get crazy interest rates. Well, interest rates that are really high mean you pay more money. If you pay more money, the cost of the loan is higher. And the problem is, is that uh, you then lose out in every other way. Amen. Uh, you also don't qualify for the things you want to qualify. Uh, you at 580 probably won't qualify for a home. Um, and there's some programs out there, uh, but very few and far between. Really, anything lower than 650, 625, you, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a program. Okay, 580, 669. Uh, the credit score is is below the average of the U.S., and so they, they judge us. If everybody was at 580, they might change their lending, uh, but they haven't. So this is fair. You can get some loans, but your rates are going to be really, really high. Um, after that, uh, we move on, and we, we could talk about something that's, that would be decent credit or good credit. This is 670 to 739. This score slightly above the U.S. average. So if you're anywhere in that range, this is typically people that are looking to apply for a home, looking to get a car loan, um, and they're gonna they're gonna find themselves in pretty average rates, not the greatest. Uh, and then from that point forward, uh, really 740 and above, you're gonna be getting some of the best rates. People that have 800 and above, they might even get zero percent 
uh, same as cash on a car or whatever the case may be. It does depend on lender. Does that make sense? So what, what gives you all of these numbers? What determines where you're at? Well, all these five things we just talked about. Okay. So that's what gives you a credit score. We're going to move on. Uh, and if it'll, if it'll click through, brother, you might have to move that for me. It didn't look like it's wanting to move. Amen. Move down to the next. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, so there's five things right there that affect your credit score. The next thing is going to determine your, uh, what we call the five C's of credit. The five C's of credit. The difference between that last one and this one is the five C's of credit are the overall of when the lender looks at you. What do they see? When the lender looks at you, the first thing they're going to see and they're going to look at is your character. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not you are a nice person, whether you walk old ladies across the street. They're not looking at that. Um, but character measures how reliable and trustworthy you are. Lenders have a good reason to consider your character, and that is simply that they need to know if you're going to be the type of person that's going to pay them back. Nobody wants to lend money to somebody that's not going to pay them back. To determine a person's character, lenders will look at the following. They're going to look at your work experience. They want to know uh, how long have you been in your job, your current field. Uh, but they're also going to look at do you have a job? Do you uh, currently have consistent income? Uh, you, you're going to go get a loan and, and all you got is your tax return and they're going to look at that and, well, what would you do this year? Well, I just got a tax return. That's all I, that's all I made all year. Well, uh, they're going to say, well, you don't have the ability to repay. You might have the ability to pay the payment this month, next month, but without a consistent flow of income, how are you going to pay uh, this loan? If it's a five-year loan, how are you going to pay it three years from now? Amen. So they're going to look at that. They're also going to look at references. Sometimes they're going to contact people, um, and, and that's people that know you. They're going to get some of that. That doesn't happen very much anymore. Uh, they're also going to look at past interactions with lenders. Could be that you've lent from them before. Maybe you can't get a loan anywhere else, but you've lent from your credit union. Uh, put a plug there for the credit unions, typically better rates. And uh, they also tend to look at the character a little more. Uh, I've worked for banks and credit unions and found their credit unions are a little bit, a little bit nicer when it comes to this. Uh, but did they, did they take a risk on you one time and saw that you would pay them back? They're more likely to take a risk on you again. And then finally, they're going to look at credit history. The credit history is when they pull your credit score. The credit history will let lenders view your credit report and your credit score for information. This information lets them know how long you've had credit, if you have any bankruptcies, whether you make timely payments or not, whether you've got any judgments or liens against you. Uh, they may not want to give you a loan if they know that somebody's about to sue you for everything you're worth because then they'll lose out. Uh, an example of how to improve your character, and I'm not talking about your Christian character. I think that's a good thing to improve as well. Uh, but one of the ways is you can raise your credit score. How do I do that? Well, you start by paying things off. You go back to maybe you missed it for a little while. I've not been paying things on time. We'll go to start paying things on time and or paying them down. Maybe you're not in that position where you can pay them off, but you can pay them down. You got to do this before you apply for any loans because it increases your chances of getting approved. Also, uh, you got to understand your credit report, and that's what we just did. 
uh, there, if there's any issues or errors on it, it could be that you've got a medical bill, uh, and anybody that works for the medical field or in medical billing, sometimes you go to the hospital and they don't even blink at you twice. They send you straight to collections. So uh, you got to make sure, well, I didn't get it in the mail. It doesn't matter. They send you straight to collections. So if you do go to the hospital, make sure you get that bill and pay that bill right away because it happens more times than you think. I can't tell you how many times I would sit down with people that had everything right, but then they have this collection for, uh, you know, they stubbed their toe three years ago, and, and now they've got to go into uh, they got to try to figure out how to fix their busted credit. So, uh, anyway, so that's a few ways that we can work on our credit history. Just looking, or I'm sorry, credit character. Find out what I owe. Maybe I can pay some things down. If I've been late before, if I've got something that was sent to collections, can I get it out of collections and pay it back? Because if I've got a ton of things in collections, nobody's going to want to lend to me. Wh what's to say you're going to pay me back if you've not paid them back? Amen. This is some practicals here tonight. Okay, number two. Everybody say capacity. Capacity is what we talked about when we were referring to uh, uh, the, the, the earlier when we were talking about the amounts owed. Okay, capacity is also referred to cash flow. This is another side of the coin. Uh, this indicates your ability to repay the loan. Again, do you have a job? You got money coming in. Is it consistent? Uh, this, this is determined by your debt-to-income ratio. Let me break that down. I don't want to give too many technical terms. What is coming in versus what is going out? Hopefully, after last week, if you weren't on a budget or didn't have an idea of a budget, you went home and you at least wrote it on a napkin, what is coming in and what is going out. That is how you can determine what your debt-to-income ratio is. When you have less debt and more cash flow, so you got less going out and you got more coming in, lenders will feel more confident approving you for the loan because they see something called ability. Amen. You got the ability. Who would like a who would like a million dollar loan right now? Come on, I know I would. I'd like a one point five million dollar loan for a church building, in Jesus' name. Uh, okay, now the next question is can you repay it? That's another question. That's another, that's another subject. Well, do you have the capacity? Okay, let's look at an example. Let's say your income is $1,000 a month, but your bills, including your credit card payments, all your minimum payments, your, your, your rent, uh, again, these are very skewed numbers here. I'm just trying to make it simple math. Uh, and so you got your credit card minimum payment, 50 bucks. You got your rent is 650 That's $700. And we'll just add a couple hundred dollars in for other debts that you got going out. Let's just say that what you got coming in every month is 1000 and what you got going out is $999. You have a debt-to-income ratio of 99%, and you got cash flow of $1. Hey, I want a million-dollar loan. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> Open that bank vault and start handing me some dollar bills. And I could pay you one cent every 50 years. You're not going to get a loan. So there's only a few ways to fix this. Pay off debts so that you don't have as much going out or increase your income so you have more coming in. Sounds simple enough? Now, it might be a little more difficult to do, but if you can get more coming in, it might be a raise. It might be a side job, it might be Uberin, it might be, you know, DoorDash, whatever you got to do um, to increase how much you have coming in 
And then they can say, well, you know what? Because of that extra income, now we can approve you. You may not have been able to be approved before with a debt-to-income ratio of, 900, or with, of 99% and a $1 cash flow, but now that you've got a side job or you change jobs or you got a raise, now that completely changes. Amen. Let's say that you, that you made, made $2,000 a month and you owed $999 every month. Well, guess what? You're about 50%. That's pretty awesome. Now you're at a different category. Amen. Okay, number three, capital. Capital measures your dedication to acquiring the loan. Do you have skin in the game? Some people want to go to the bank and say, give me all of the money for the house. Give me all of the money I need for the car. And they're going to look at the capital. They're going to look at how much are you willing to put into this. Are you going to play with our money and drive around in that car with our money? Uh, and they'll look at all of the factors. But one of the factors they're going to look at is how much of your own money do you have as a down payment? The other factor is how much money do you have in our accounts? Could very well be that maybe they, they aren't re going to require you to have a down payment, uh, but they want to know how invested are you in our bank? Uh, there's just there's many factors there. An example is when you're purchasing a home using a conventional loan. Now, these are, these are just, I've just given some basic from memory. Uh, this could change. I don't know what they are now. But a conventional loan typically is 20% down. So, for example, if you want a $100,000 home loan, 20% of that is $20,000. The bank, before they'll approve a conventional loan, wants to know, do you have $20,000 available? Do you have it in the bank? Do you have it in a retirement? Where do you have the $20,000? Is somebody going to gift you $20,000? They want to know where's it coming from, and are you going to be putting something down? Okay, there's some people here today that are saying, well, there's no way I could do $20,000 or 20%. Well, on an FHA loan, which is a, a federally insured loan, I'm not giving any advice here. This is not, do not take this as advice. This is what you need to do. You go see a banker, go talk to somebody else, uh, and they'll give you some options. But but the FHA loan, uh, typically they want 3.5% down. And so that would be on $100,000, about $3,500. So that might be a little more uh, doable for some people. But you've got to count the cost because there's added fees every single month. Amen. But they want to know, are you going to be putting anything into this? Everybody wants to get approved, but they want to know, do you got any skin in the game? Is there any capital? Are you putting anything forward on this? to give us reason to approve you. Okay, number four, collateral. Collateral is the assets that you pledged to support your loan. Examples of these assets might include vehicles. Maybe you just got a bunch of money and you're not wanting that, that money to disappear. You can loan against your own money, typically at a very low rate. Uh, not always the best idea, but uh, that's, that's between you and Jesus and a banker. Amen. Uh, the other thing you can look at that's an example is real estate, your home. Your home becomes an asset. Collateral serves as a backup in case the borrower fails to pay back the loan. The value of the collateral must be equal or it has to exceed the cost of the loan. This is referred to loan to value. Everybody say that, loan to value. All right, I want a million-dollar loan. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pledge my Subaru. That 
after all the miles I evangelized in that thing, man, I don't think it's worth much. I'm gonna, it's worth more to me than it is to anybody else. But uh, there's no way because the loan to value is not even there. Um, but let me give some examples of, of, to help somebody out. Uh, do you own your car outright? Well, maybe, uh, maybe it just comes to a fact. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not giving financial advice, so please don't take this as this is what the pastor said to do. Uh, maybe you are, you are in an emergency and you own your car outright. Well, you have an asset. You can then take that asset and get some money out of it. But you can only get out uh, a, whatever your loan to value would be. So if they're saying we'll only lend you 50%, if your car is worth $1,000, they're only going to lend you $500. Amen. And so do you own your car outright? Do you own your house outright? Uh, or do you have equity in your home? Is your home worth more than you owe? If your home is worth more than you owe, you potentially can use that as collateral. Here's the beautiful thing about collateral uh, is that you don't even have to own it right now. Every time somebody goes to buy a home, they do an inspection and they do an appraisal because the bank wants to find out you don't own it yet, but if you were to default, is there enough loan to value there? For example, uh, we're going to borrow uh, on, on $100,000. We're going we're gonna to buy that house for $80,000. Who would love that? I would love to buy a house for $80,000. That'd be great. Not here in Nevada. Sorry, it's not going to happen. But, uh, but, but if, you were to, if, the, if the home was worth 100 and you pay 80, it's, it's going to have an 80% loan to value. So you got some equity. You got 20% equity there. Let's bring it down to some other numbers. Let's talk about cars for a moment. Let's say you're, you're going to buy a car and they're going to sell it to you for $8,000. This is something you always want to check, whether it's a home or whether a car. What is it actually worth? Amen. What is it actually worth? You go to any, and listen, car dealers are notorious for this. You go to anybody, and uh, you know it's welcome to Slick Ricks. You know, and they're all they're all just uh, they're just sleazy car salesmen. We call them lot lizards, and uh, they come out, and they're like, "It's not small, it's cozy," and they and they'll tell you all the things it comes with. It comes with a rear view mirror, comes with a windshield. If they start listing things that should come in a car, airbags, you should probably run away because that's what's supposed to come on a car. Um, that's not a feature. That's just what goes. It has wheels. Uh, you probably need to run away. But but if you go there and they go, we're going to sell this to you for $10,000, and it's worth three. You just got robbed. We'll even finance it for you. You know why they'll finance it for you? Because even if you default, they made their money just by selling it to you. Amen. So if you were to buy a car, though, for $10,000 or $8,000, but it's worth ten, guess what? You've got a great loan to value. You have equity. However, in a vehicle, your equity will not last forever. We don't have time to talk all about that tonight. Okay, number five, conditions. So this, these, are, these, are, these are factors. These five C's of credit are factors on whether or not the banks are even willing to lend to you. Conditions. Conditions refer to the overall state of your finances. Intended use of funds. You can't go to a bank and just say, can you give me a million dollars? Well, what are you going to use it for? That's my business. <laughs> You're probably a drug dealer. They're not going to lend it to you. And uh, I wish we could get this. Okay, great. It's right there. Um, and then uh, and, and the other thing that we have to consider is the overall state of the economy. Banks are not always willing to lend. Here's a great example. How many remembers the housing crash of 2008? Okay, I, I remember that. I was working in the banks at that point. Um, 
the housing market crash, uh, it was a bubble. Basically, lenders were inflating the values of people's homes and lending on it. And then the bubble burst, and people lost their jobs, and the economy crashed. And then people who did not, because again, these banks were not looking at these five C's. They were just saying, if you want a loan for a million dollars, sure, come on down, we'll get you a loan. Everybody's getting a loan, and their payment is, you know, five bucks a month. And, and then all of a sudden, when they finally came to call the loan, people didn't have any money. So it burst. Well, after 2008, you were hard-pressed to get a home loan. So if you already had a home loan, you were in a great position. But anybody else after 2008 that wanted to get a home loan in the next few years, uh, they, they, all of a sudden the banks got more regulations put on them. And uh, they, they started looking deeper into all your finances. Where'd your money come from? Uh, if you have, it, they'll, they'll get it, dig into every dollar that ever came through your account in the last five years. They want to know, are, are you laundering money? What's, what's, the, what's the overall? So, so it affected people that maybe would have been approved before 2008. It caused them to be declined. So uh, we just got through this last year of, of coronavirus, and we do not yet know what the financial state will look like. Um, when it comes to this. Well, here's the beautiful thing about what I'm talking about tonight. These things only matter if you are trying to acquire debt. Amen? If you are not trying to acquire debt, it will not matter. And somebody said amen. See if I can get this to click. Oh, wait. There we, wait, one, just one. There we go. Okay. All right. So there we go. We got, we got some credit. I've got some questions that we're going we're gonna to get into uh, a little bit later. Um, I've got a few minutes. I got a timer right here because we got some food and fellowship afterwards. Okay, let's talk about all things debt. Now we talked about how to acquire uh, some 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 credit. Maybe you're in the position where you want to buy a home in the future. Maybe you're in a position where uh, you need a car because your car's busted and you don't know what to do and your credit is busted. Well, uh, to fix those things, you're going to go back and you're going to start working on those five C's. You're going to start working on those other five things that we talked about. And, uh, and it could be maybe you need to get a job and pay some things down. We're going to talk about that. Okay, let's talk about debt, everybody's least favorite word. If it's not your least favorite word, make it your least favorite word. Amen. Debt and the devil, my two least favorite. Amen. <laughs> so you've got debt. Is all debt bad? Is it all sinful? There is not a blanket answer for that. There are many opinions an interpretation of the biblical concept. Yes, the Bible does say that the borrower is a slave a, or a servant to the lender. If you owe money, whether it is for your car or whether it is for your house or whether it's because you went out and, and just bought a bunch of stuff at Macy's, you will not be free from that. Your finances will not be free from that. There is, there is a level where you are in bondage. Amen. And that's why it's so important to do our best to be wise stewards of what God has given us so that we can get out of debt. We're going to talk about that here tonight. Amen. There's a lot of opinions, yet there are many questions that need to be asked. Is this a good debt or is this a bad debt? Here's the, here's the answer for you. Here's some questions you need to ask yourself. Is it working for you or against you? Is it adding value to your life or is it removing value and quality of life is it an asset or is it a liability is it a, is it is does it have value could i resell it amen your car uh, it could be an asset or a liability we talked about that last week uh, if your car is worth 
uh, $10,000 and you owe 1000 you have $9,000 worth of equity in it, guess what? It's an asset. Okay, let's say it's worth 10000 and currently you owe 10000 Is it an asset or liability? Well, depends. Does that car faithfully get you to work every day and make you money? Well, at that point, if you, if you could get to work some other way and sell that car, you might be in a great position to do that, and it'd save you a lot of money. But if you know, I can't get to work except I have this reliable car, guess what? That car just became an asset for you. Let's say you're an Uber driver. Your bicycle's not going to do you a whole lot of good, will it? Guess what? That car is your moneymaker. Amen. So you can, that, that right there just became an asset for you. Okay, a liability is when it costs you more than it makes you. You owe $10,000 on that $3,000 car, and every day it's breaking down. It is now a, a liability for you. It can hurt you. Here's another one. Does it make you money or does it lose you money? Could you leverage debt to make more money than it costs you? I'm going to give some examples of this. There's people... Uh, that they get into the, now this is, this is again not financial advice, but people that get into rentals. Well, in my personal opinion, if the bank's going to give me a, a loan on a rental property and they're going to give me a rate of 4%, but I know over the life of this it's going to make me 35%, well, it's a, I mean, at that point it's a good deal for me because I'm making money. Uh, but that's not always the case. Not all people know how to manage that. But uh, you gotta, you got to look through all of the details. Amen. Okay, here's an example. Student loans. There's people, I've got questions here tonight about student loans. Well, do you have a degree from those student loans that are currently paying for your livelihood? Did you go to school to become a doctor, a lawyer? Did you go to school uh, for, for accounting? Did you go to school for anything? Or did you go to school and get a doctorate in underwater basket weaving? That might be an asset to you or a liability. Um, and there's people that have done this. Well, I went to school. I didn't really know what I wanted. I got a degree in, you know, anthropology, but I don't like people. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> so, you know, I got, a, I, got a, I got a degree in accounting, but I hate numbers and I'm bad at math. Probably a bad idea. Um, so you might want to think about that for those that haven't yet done that. Please don't jump into something and get $100,000 of school debt. Also, another thing that, that maybe is just good advice, and hopefully some people that have already been through this, through this can amen, uh, if you're going to get something, you probably want to look at the pay scale. So, for example, if being an underwater basket weaver is going to make me $10,000 a year, but it's going to take me uh, $60,000 of student loans, uh, probably a bad trade. But if I'm going to go to school and become a doctor or a lawyer and I'm going to be making six figures a year and I can walk away with $100,000 worth of debt, well, it might be worth it to me. You have to make that decision for yourself. Okay, how about a mortgage? Not many of us can uh, purchase a home in cash. If you can, God bless you. That's wonderful. But we all need somewhere to live. Is it an investment? I don't want to be in debt. Somebody asked this question. I don't want to be in debt, but should I buy a house? Well, let's follow this logic down for just a moment. You may not own a home, but you rent. Uh, you know, here's the question. Who's in more debt, the person that owns or the person that is renting? The one that pays off their house month by month or the person that rents and ultimately pays off somebody else's mortgage? Who's really in debt? Is the person that has a home loan in debt or is the person uh, that is renting in debt? 
Well, again, this is opinion-based. This is not to criticize anybody. I currently rent. I don't want to do that forever. I sold my house when we moved here so that we could be living here and not living in Washington. But, uh, but ultimately, when you buy a home, you may pay 4% or whatever the current rates are for 30 years. But guess what? When you are renting, you are paying 100% interest. You do not receive any value except for being there on a monthly basis and having somewhere to sleep. Interest, as long as you rent, it's going to be 100%. You don't get anything back out of it. There's no, any improvements you make to that home, you might as well throw it away. It's gone. You'll never receive it. Uh, not to mention, you are missing out on appreciated or increased values. Your home may be worth $300,000 today, but because of inflation and because of a supply and demand, because there's not as many homes on the market, there's people right now that are living in a blessed position because when they bought their home, they bought it for 100000 and they sold it for 200 300 whatever the case may be, because of appreciation. How many likes appreciation in life? Yeah, I like being appreciated. Well, I also want to make sure that my money is appreciated. I don't want to pay somebody else to let their money be appreciated, although that is a reality in life. So please, I'm not here to discourage anybody or bash anybody. Amen. Because uh, there's different reasons, okay? You have to determine for yourself if it's worth it. Uh, but, but it can appreciate in the market. In a few years, it could go up from $300,000 of value to $400,000. Guess what? You just made $100,000 because you owned the home. Well, guess what? That, that home didn't cost you anything. It now made you money. However, I want to encourage somebody here tonight. Don't be discouraged. We all need somewhere to live. You could chalk it up in life. It's just the cost of living, uh, cost of being alive in the world around you, and you can use your resources somewhere else. Some people have no desire to ever own a home. That's all right. You don't have to do that. That's not a requirement. Uh, but, but the question you need to ask yourself is, am I okay with forever paying this person's mortgage off? Amen? Okay. Let's talk about bad debt. This is the one people are most worried about. What about bad debt? So hopefully we can distinguish good debt from bad debt right now. The Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and it adds no sorrow with it. Here's the question you need to ask yourself about this debt that you are either getting ready to acquire or you already have. Is it something that you need or needed? Did you pay more for it than you should have? Did you pay more than you can afford per month or in general? Were you living beyond your wage? If it adds sorrow, it was not from the Lord. I've heard this. My pastor's heard this. It happens all the time. Pastor, I got a car loan at 30%, 30% annual percentage rate, and the interest that I pay for the cost of the car is going to be more than the entire car itself. I can't afford the payment and it breaks down every week, and it's a gas guzzler. I just want to praise God for this blessing. That is not a blessing from the Lord. That is a bad decision. But those that don't take the time to understand finances, that doesn't mean you have to be an expert. Please, you're going to have this printout when you want it. You just let me know. You'll get it. You can take it on your phone. There's a lot more you can learn here. I think we should all be students all be learning because I remember I was so desperate I, I by the time I was 19 years old I had lived on my own since I was 16 I had 
a, a bunch of ghetto cars from people that my mom met at the bar, and every car I had broke down, and I was so sick of it. You know what my dream car was and kind of is today? A four-door car with windshield wipers that work. <laughs> the problem is I had set my bar so low that the first dealership I came to, even though I had built my credit and I knew I could get a good rate, all of those different things, I just, I was so sick of the car that I had breaking down, I jumped into a car loan for five years, and I paid about $5,000 more than I should have. Bad decision. And now, I will wait that dealer out for three months. I don't even care. I'll just let it sit on the lot. Amen. Uh, <laughs> so, it's a different, you, it just, the, you got to understand that some things are not really a blessing from the Lord. If it adds sorrow to you, if you jumped into a, something that you couldn't do, uh, well, you think, you know, there's people that sometimes they, they, they come in and, and they, they went to Macy's and they got a Macy's credit card. We'll talk about that in a moment. And they go, look at all my nice clothes. If you buy it on, on debt and on credit and then you can't afford the payment, that's not a blessing. That's not a blessing. That's a curse. Okay, let's talk about breaking the bondage of debt. Proverbs 6, 1 through 11. He's telling him, his son, my son, if you be a surety for your friend, or in other words, if you're co-signing, we'll talk about that in a moment. Please don't co-sign. Or if you're going into debt, if you have stricken with your hand with a stranger, or if you've made a deal and you decided to get in debt and they're going to lend you some money, you are snared with the words of your mouth. The moment you sign that contract, you are snared, and, uh, and it's going to affect your financial future if you don't do it right. You are taken with the words of your mouth. This is his advice, a man that is full of wisdom. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure of thy friend. In other words, he's saying that as soon as possible, you get that debt paid off. If you co-sign for somebody, again, uh, that's never a good idea. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But he's saying you go make it right and you fix it. Amen. Next thing he says, if you're in debt, give not sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself as a roe or as a deer from, amen, from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. He then tells them to go and consider the ant, you sluggard or lazy individual. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide or overseer or ruler, provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? He says that this is the, this is the equation for poverty. Somebody that made a deal but is not willing to do the work to pay off that debt. He says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come as one that travaileth, and your want as an armed man. Amen. In other words, if I could put it in Dave Ramsey language, amen. We'll talk about that right now. And this is our last one for tonight. Dave Ramsey says that you got to get out of debt with, with deer-like, gazelle-like intensity. As the bird from the fowler, you have been snared whenever you sign your name down on the dotted line, whether it's a car, a credit card, it doesn't matter if it's good debt or bad debt, you have been snared. And this is what he says. He said you got to run out of debt like you're running for your life. Amen. 
Run like you're running for your life because your entire financial future is going to be tied up, amen, with those debts that are tying you down. Next, number two, let's talk about a practical. Everybody say snowball. Isn't it interesting? We're the only people that didn't get snow. The entire, somebody said it's like a 7-Eleven burrito. It's freezing cold in the middle and we're warm on the outside. So, uh, but, but we should know some things about snowballs and, then, and uh, the snowball effect. And, and it's basically where you get avalanches from. It, it starts real small at the, bottle, bottom, at the top. It's just a little tumble. And then it builds and it builds and it builds. Anybody that's ever built a snowman knows. You start with a little snowball and you push it. And as you push it, it acquires more. And then it gets a little momentum, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of people that this is how their debt started. It was just taking out a little credit card, taking out a little loan, going and just buying things that they couldn't afford to impress people they don't like. And it started, and it snowballed, and it crushed them. Well, guess what? How are we going to get out of debt the same way we got into it? We're going to start snowballing it. Uh, this is a practical way of doing it. If you have any questions on this, you can see me, but I try my best to give a little blurb on this printout that you'll have later. Find your lowest debt and put all of your extra money towards it. Now's not the time to go to Starbucks. If you're in debt, you got to get out. you got to run for your life. It, your life depends on it. Well, it's just a little bit run, run, run. When you, when you take everything that's extra, that $5 may not make much, to, much sense to you right now. It may not seem like a whole lot, but it will make a world of difference if you put it towards your debts getting paid off. When, when, that, when you get to that place, when the time that, it's, that you've put all the money towards that little debt, you then take the money from the little debt that you were paying, because now it's gone, and you put it towards the next debt. Okay, you repeat this over and over again until you're out of debt. Let's do an example. Let's say you have two credit cards and one car loan. On one credit card, you owe $250, you owe $250 with a minimum payment of $25. You've got to look on your credit card statement as an added side note, and I'm almost done here tonight. I'm at 50 minutes. I'm going to get done, and, uh, and, and, and we'll go have some fellowship. Uh, but if you look at your credit card statement, it tells you on there, by law, they got to put it on there. If you just make the minimum payment, this is how long it's going to take you to pay it off. And if you, if you notice, if whether you owe $250 or you owe $10,000, it's going to take you 30 years. They are just barely paying off the interest. They are not interested in getting you out of debt. That is our job. Amen. But let's say you got a credit card, you owe $250, $25 monthly minimum payment. The next card owes $1,000, has a $50 minimum payment. And the car is $10,000, and it owes $150 a month minimum payment. The snowball effect is this. You find the one that's $250, you make the $25 minimum payment plus any extra cash you have. Let's say you have an extra $25 a month. This is, this is fun money, whatever you got. Guess what? You already lived it up when you spent it on the credit card. Now is not time to live it up. Now is time to pay it back. Amen. Uh, well, I don't want to live below my means. Well, you already weren't. So now it's time to live even further below your means. So you take it and you go, okay, this $25 a month, I'm going to make minimum payments on my car and this other credit card, and I'm going to make $50 minimum payments. Guess what? The $25 going to interest, $25 is going to go towards that. It's going to probably take you 10 months. Okay. After 10 months, guess what? You have that $50 you don't have to put towards that car anymore. Plus, you have a $50 minimum payment on the $1,000 credit card. Guess what? 50 plus 50 is? You're now putting $100 towards the $1,000 credit card. 
and and it just it's getting a little it's getting a little better because guess what that fifty dollars is going to take you the same amount of time but you're going to pay it off well guess what now when that's done you've got a hundred dollars and all you got is your car payment plus you've been making the car payment benefit of a of a loan like that is it's been going down uh, and so you have $150 that you make there plus $100. What's 100 plus 150 $250. Well, guess what? You're making double, almost double payments on that. So if your car loan was five years, you're going to pay it off in almost two and a half years. Who would like to do that? Well, it starts very little. This is a small example, but some people could say, well, I've got a a Macy's card that I owe $300 on. I got a Dillard's card I, I owe $250. I've got a, and people have acquired all of these little ones. And the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The rich don't get rich by a million. They get rich by $1. The poor don't get poor by a million. They get poor by $1. And the, and the credit card companies know this. I mean, if you are not able or capable to play the game and win, nobody really wins in the end because there's all sorts of things, uh, whether it be uh, annual fees, you're gonna, there's going to be something. But if you choose to play the game, you've got to play it right. Amen. You've got to make sure you keep it at a paid off. Guess what? If you owe on your card anything through the month, say you spent $500, and at the end of the month you paid off uh, just a little bit of that, you're still going to have to pay interest on everything. But if you spent 500 and paid it off, guess how much interest you pay? Zero. Guess what? That, that interest rate on a credit card, uh, I would never go with it if I were you. Just pay your card off every month. That's the ideal if you're going to utilize one. If not, use cash. Use your debit card. Amen. Somebody said amen. Okay, practical steps to getting out of debt. First things first, we talked about it last week. You've got to build an emergency fund. Because there's, there's no way you're going to get out of debt if you keep having to use that credit card to get yourself out of a bind. Amen? you got to save an emergency fund, 500000 whatever it is. So in the event something bad happens, you can take care of it, and you don't have to rely on your credit cards. Uh, again, we're talking about people that are maybe trying to rebuild their debt or rebuild their credit or, or those that have it. This is th a different subject for people that are not even in debt. Amen. Uh, number two. Quit borrowing money. When you get into debt and you're struggling, don't go get another credit card. You can't afford the ones you have. Don't go get another one. Amen. Here's another one. Quit borrowing money also means quit spending money. Excessive amounts of money. Uh, for example, if you're going to use that credit card, uh, that's like borrowing more money. Amen. Number three. We believe this with all of our heart. Prayer works. Amen? I believe it. Maybe, maybe there's some people who need some faith, faith to be built here tonight. Prayer works. God, help me. God, I got myself into this bind. I don't know how to get out. God, give me wisdom. The Bible says God will give you wisdom, and he will not withhold it at all. God, help me. Uh, God, Lord, I need extra hours at my job because I need to take extra money and put that towards I need overtime. God, I need tips, whatever, whatever it might be. God, I, I, need, to, I need help with my, maybe it's, I, I, have a, a, I have a spending problem and I like to spend. Well, help me, Lord, to curb that and stop that for at least the time being until I get all this paid off. Uh, whatever it might be, when we pray, I really believe God gives us strength. Amen? All right, number four, if you're drowning in debt, but you've got a storage unit, time to have a garage sale. What good is that boat if you are struggling month to month? 
What, what good's a car? What good's uh, obviously not the car gets you to work that motorcycle, whatever it might be. It's time to start selling stuff. Liquidate. Uh, that gets me to uh, another question I got at the very bottom is, is should I pawn something or should I go get a payday loan? That's at the very bottom. There's a there's a question there. Uh, do not pawn it. Sell it. Get rid of it. Uh, I'll get into that in a moment. Amen. Uh, and so sell something. If you've got to sell something, have a garage sale, take every dollar. If you owe $250, but you've got a bunch of junk you know people will buy, get on eBay, whatever it might be. Get on Craigslist and start selling stuff. If you've got sneakers, somebody will buy. There's people love buying junk. In fact, if you, if you don't know people don't like, if you aren't aware that people like buying junk, look in your garage. We all have junk. It's time to say, you know what, I really don't need 50 skill saws. I really don't need uh, 300 pairs of sneakers. It's time to start selling stuff because there's me somebody out there that's got that's got all sorts of they want to acquire too. So let them acquire, take their money, and pay off your debts. And somebody said, "Amen." If you're drowning in debt, take extra work. If you're drowning in debt, get a side hustle. If you're drowning in debt, start a business. If you're drowning in debt, you know, it's all these different things that may not seem like a whole lot, but guess what? Every dollar makes a difference. Amen? Okay, quickly, I'm going to move through these, and uh, these are some questions. I might get through some of them um, that we can get into later. Okay, how do you build good credit? Well, we just talked about it. By following the five C's of credit. Pay on time. Don't spend more than 30% on your credit cards. Lower your debt to income. In other words, pay off outstanding debts. Have a good mixture of installment loans, uh, your car loans, your houses, two credit cards. Don't just have credit cards. Uh, don't just have uh, a house loan because uh, that can that can affect you. But at that point, if you just have a house loan, you probably don't need credit for debt anyways. You're doing just fine. Okay, what if one spouse has good credit and the other one has bad? Somebody asked a great question. Um, we need to find out which, which, which person has the income. Because if the one that has the good credit has the income, you just Roll dice and snake eyes, man. Great. Congratulations. That's not always the case. If you have the income and the great credit, you can buy the house, the car, all by yourself. Guess what? You don't need the other person. Uh, you can add them onto the deed as just like if you were to die. You can add them onto the deed and they'll get the house later. But you can get a good credit. You can get a good rating. You can get all the stuff without them. The trouble hits when it's you need both incomes. Well, it's going to sting. Well, that comes down to then rebuilding credit. Pay off collections, pay off debts, spend all your time and resources taking care of trying to build their credit up a little bit. Talk with somebody uh, in, in the financial realm, and they will tell you what you need to do to make that happen. So you can apply individually in Jesus' name. Uh, should I apply for a department store or a website credit card? In my opinion, no, never. Well, they said I'd save 10%. No, they know you're going to spend 50% more next time you come. No, don't do it. If you want to do it, that was just my advice. You do whatever you like. Should I co-sign for somebody? Here's my opinion. No, but they're my kid. No, especially not your kid. They're going to go into debt and say, but dad or mom will pay for it. Uh, they, don't, they, don't, they may not do it. Don't co-sign for somebody. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This might offend somebody. Don't use me as a reference on some things. I got, my, I got siblings and crazy family members on drugs that I still get phone calls. Because it might just be that you use me as a reference, and I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't see him half the time at church. Oh, glory. <laughs> use somebody that at least lie for you, because I won't. Okay. <laughs> 
Here's a question I got like three or four times. It's a great question. Should I refinance my home? Or I could even put it in your car. It depends. You got to look at something called the amortization. Now, that may not make any sense to you, but Google it later. Uh, we don't have time tonight to get into that. Uh, basically, it's the pay schedule when you, when you pay off something. Um, you can do this online by using a refinance calculator. If you follow the prompts on a, and you can, you can look this up later, is it worth it refinance calculator? It just tells you what to do. You plug it in. It's, simple ma it's, it's complex math, but they make it real simple. Are you looking to save interest, or are you trying to lower your monthly payments? Are you struggling month to month because you have too many things? Well, it could be you not, might need to snowball debts, so maybe it's not time to refinance. However, if it's, if, if it's something you were thinking about, well, I need more money per month, well, refinance might be an option for you. But you have to look at what is the total cost. So, for example, I don't have time to get into this too much tonight, but if you have been paying on your home, it's a 30-year loan, you've been paying for 15 years, um, guess what? When you refinance, you start all over on interest. At the very start of your loan, most of your money payment-wise payment, payment -wise goes to interest, and then it does this. Okay? Well, if you refinance, you start back at the top. That means you're not paying off your home. So you have, to, you have to look at it and find out, is it actually worth it? Will it actually save me money? Some people, they see 6% and 4% and they go, I need to refinance. But the, but the, but the, but the home company, uh, the brokerage, is going to charge you five grand for that refinance. They're going to tag it into your loan, plus you're restarting all your interest over another 30 years. So now you're not just paying for your home for, for 15 more years. You're going to end up paying for 45 years because you already paid 15. Does that make sense? Um, you've got to find out, is it, does it actually save me money? Does it actually make me money? Or would it make more sense for me to just pay the payment I have and get this home paid off sooner so that I can live a little more financially free and not have a house payment? Amen. Okay, should I use a debt consolidation company? If you have more questions about refinance, you can come talk to me later. Um, should I use a debt consolidation company? In my opinion, uh, it does depend, but I would typically say no uh, because these can ruin your credit, and they may keep you in debt longer than, they, than, than you would have if you had just started snowballing your debts um, because they, and it'll often cost you more money in the long run because they extend it out, and it's, it's, it's set up in a way where you just about never pay it off. Uh, not only that, they, they make deals with all of your creditors, and you get late, and so your credit is pretty much tanked uh, almost indefinitely at that point. Um, remember, they're a for-profit business, and you being in debt makes them money. So, again, case-by-case case scenario. Should I declare bankruptcy? This is a last resort. Um, it is biblical to pay back your debts. However, there are circumstances where the companies will forgive debts or at least forgive interest. Um, but remember, you are going to hurt your credit for at least eight years, depending on uh, what, you, what you get rid of. Um, how do I get a good interest rate? Better credit, better rates. What, who determines my credit score? Everybody say this. I do. Yeah, you do. Amen. You got to be financially responsible, spend less than you make, and follow the prompts of what we talked about earlier tonight. How do I get my credit score? Do I need to pay for it? There are a lot of sites and companies that promise free credit reports, but at the end of it all, they charge you money or they tag you. It's not a good deal. Um, but if you look, I put a website on here. It's the only one that is directed by the federal law, and they have to provide you a credit report for free. And again, you only want to do that if you're going to do it once a year. You're going to get it TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Okay, finally, the last one. 
do I take out a payday loan or pawn something? And I'm done here. No. But I really need money. Sell something. Mm, it's uncomfortable. The reason is, I don't have time to get into it, but at the end of it all, if you look at it, people that have payday loans, one of the reasons I grew up the way I grew up is for two reasons. My parents pawned everything. Drugs, number one. Drugs is a big one. Cigarettes, alcohol, all those things cost a lot of money. Bad life choices. Um, but then when it came to financial decisions, they spent more than they could make, and then they would get payday loans. Payday loans make, they should be illegal in the United States. That's my opinion. They charge upwards of 900%. So payday loan is I'm going to get $300. Say I need $300 because my water heater broke. Let's just give it the benefit of the doubt. It's a real emergency. Okay? Um, you could get money from a loan shark for cheaper than, than what they'll charge you. It's, it should be illegal. Um, and so you get $300 and get to pay it back in two weeks. And they say, well, it, you're going to have to write a check today for $350. Means I get, for my money, I got to pay you $50 of interest. And then, guess what? When I get my payday, my payday is not $350. It's $300, right? Typically. And so then I got to take another payday loan to pay this payday loan off. And now I owe 400. It's a trap. And uh, I, I got the math here. You're going to see it. I, I love math. So uh, at the end of it all, it's, it's going to cost for $300 if they did that every two weeks. It's going to cost them uh, 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 $2,730 for a $300 loan. Same thing when you pawn stuff. Your stuff is not that important. If you need to pay something off, sell it. Get rid of it. Your stuff's not that important because they do the exact same thing. Well, I need my, if you really need it, don't pawn it. Amen? I think we ought to, we ought to pray. I'm done teaching. We're going to pray for just a moment. I know this is a lot of information. Uh, again, please, I want to do my best. I really felt impressed to teach about this. And I've fought hell just to get you this information here tonight because I do believe that people that are stuck and trapped by this, this, this information uh, that maybe don't have this information, they get bound up and it hinders them from truly living the best life that they could live. Jesus said, I came to give them life and life more abundantly. Abundant life is not for eternal life. Abundant life is now. Part of this is getting yourself free from debt. Part of this is saying, okay, I'm going to live. Uh, I'm a, God, you, you provide me a great job with X amount of dollars, but I have lived beyond it. Amen? There's some people here tonight. It might be one of those things where you've got to say, God, I'm sorry. I live beyond where I should have lived. We have all done that. Maybe you're perfect and you haven't. I've done it. I have lived beyond where I should live. But Jesus, I'm going to do my best to take care of it. I'm going to work on any strategy i got to work on. But Lord, I'm praying that while I'm working on this, would you help me? Would you bless me? Come on, let's pray for just a moment. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for this opportunity. I know it's a lot of information. I know there might be a lot to take in and it makes it a little harder that we didn't have something to look at in our hands. But but God, I'm praying there's people that that this is what is hindering them the most. They, they can't worship the way they want to worship because they're thinking about work tomorrow and they're thinking about their bills and they're thinking about how they're going to make it and, and they're, they're trapped in this cycle. And so if I, if I can't get out, I might as well just continue in it. And, and, and then the devil's using it to beat them up. And they can't truly be blessed. And God, I'm praying, Lord, that you would give us wisdom on how to get ourselves out. 
that we would escape for our lives, God, because if we are in debt, if we are bound up by all of these trappings of this world, God, that we can't truly live for you to the fullest. We can't be as giving as we want to be. We can't be as free as we want to be, God. I'm praying that you would give us wisdom, Lord, and I'm also praying for every individual that is listening or that will hear this. Pray that there be something that was said tonight that would forever change their outlook and help them to make better financial decisions, God. That there would be wisdom that would be provided tonight that would hopefully help them to grow in this area of their walk with you, Jesus. We're praying, Lord, that you would bless us, God, because we can't do it without you, God. It could be that I just need a blessing from you and it's going to help take care of maybe some areas where I overstep, God. I pray that you would bring that blessing to each and every individual. Lord, we're praying that you would go with us Continue to help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. Praise God. Thank you for your attention. Um, if you have, uh, if you want.